together. Now, our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 1, uh, verse 43 through 51. I'll invite you to open your Bibles with me there. Uh, John chapter 1, uh, verse 43 through 51. It says, the next day, uh, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see even greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. What a beautiful passage. I think I've said it before, but, but I love the gospel of John. I love the way that he writes. I love the way that he kind of invites us into this intimate connection with Christ as he's doing that. And this first chapter in John is probably... You know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, just because of of this uh, way in which there's this building intrigue into who Jesus is and what he's about and what he's doing, what's taking place. Uh, The chapter starts, John chapter 1 starts with, in the beginning, the word was with God, right? The word was God. Uh, Everything in the world came into being through him. We, We see Jesus in the beginning. It tells us then that the word became flesh and lived among us, right? Jesus, this word of God who through whom everything was made, uh, takes on flesh and begins to live and walk among us. And then we were introduced to John the Baptist. Uh, and we see John the Baptist has one purpose, and that is to point people towards Jesus. Right? John the Baptist has an encounter with Jesus. He meets him. He sees him. Uh, he sees the Spirit of God descend upon him. The voice from heaven say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And John, is, he, he's transformed. He's changed, and he has to tell other people about him. And so then we see this kind of, uh, as we're reading through the succession of days, if you were to read through uh, John chapter 1, we see, uh, it says, the next day he saw Jesus. The next day, John was again standing. The next day, right? There's this succession of days. This, here's the next event. Here's the next thing that happened. The next thing that happened. John is telling people about Jesus. And one day he's with his, a couple of his disciples and he says, hey, there's, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. And they begin to follow after Jesus. John is telling people about him. And then we have our passage today. The next day, Jesus goes to Galilee. He leaves the Jordan area, the Jordan River area, goes to Galilee. He finds Philip, tells him to follow. Philip then goes and finds Nathaniel and says, come, come see this guy, Jesus. Nathaniel had some questions. Like, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, we probably, there's probably cities, communities, sometimes we wonder about that also. You know, I mean, can anything good come out of Port Charlotte, right? I, I'm, I'm sure, yes, lots of good things come out of Port Charlotte. But, I mean, can anything good come out? I don't, I don't want to throw shade at anybody. 
can anything good come out of Lakeland, right? I mean, that's, that's my hometown. Uh, it's, it's questionable. But, um, but Nathaniel has some questions. Jesus, when he sees him, he lets him know that he knows him. He speaks into his heart. He identifies him. He finds him. Nathaniel trusts Jesus, and then Jesus tells him something incredible. Right? I mean, it's, it's amazing the way this all unfolds. And we're, we're going to walk back through this passage a little bit slower uh, because there's this beautiful succession of, of events just within this passage. And then there's this beautiful invitation that I think this whole first chapter of John invites us to follow Jesus and, uh, and invites us to share them with others. And so the very first thing that we see happening in this passage is that Jesus finds Philip. I love this. Jesus finds Philip. Rather than Philip finding Jesus, Jesus finds Philip. I mean, a lot of times in in kind of Christian circles, we tend to talk about things like, you know, well, I I found Jesus. I I was in a dark and a rough place, and then I found Jesus. You know, my life was a complete mess, and then I found Jesus. And, and I get the sentiment behind it, right? It's, it expresses that we were looking for something, that we were searching, that we were in need. And then Jesus shows up, and uh, we have this encounter with him, and life is different. But the reality of the picture is not that we find Jesus, but it's that Jesus comes and finds us. It's not that we made the first move towards God and said, you know what, I realize I really need God in my life. It's that God says they really need me. And so I'm going to show up. I'm going to go look for them. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to invite them to have this relationship with me. Now, one of the fundamental aspects of Wesleyan theology of, of the Methodist movement is this understanding that God comes towards us, that God makes the first move to us. Uh, we talk about it as provenient grace. It's this grace that goes before, the grace that reaches out, the grace that makes us aware that there's even a God to begin with, the grace that convicts us, that speaks into our heart and lets us know that we have this need for God. It's God reaching out, calling us, inviting us to come closer the grace that we read about in Romans chapter 5, you know, 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person somebody might dare to die. But God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were lost, while we were blind, while we couldn't see anything, God proves his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to us. He found us. He opened our eyes. He enabled us to see. We were helpless in our sin, enemies of God, unable to draw near, but Jesus found you. You're here because Jesus found you and he invited you to come close. In Revelation 3.20, it gives us these words from the Jesus who finds us. It says, listen. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter in and eat with you and you with me. You didn't invite Jesus over. Jesus showed up, said, hey, I I, want to meet with you. Hey, I want to invite you into this new journey, this new life with me. Jesus said, hey, let, let me come in. Let's do life together. Come and follow me. And all you had was then the choice of what to do. 
You didn't have to go searching for him. You didn't have to go looking. He came and found you first. The second thing then that permeates this passage is just how much love Jesus has for us. Not only how much love he has for us that he comes and he finds us. When we're lost, when we're wandering, when we're hurting, he comes and finds us. But, but he knows us as well. And he comes to find us anyways. Right? Like he knows you and he still comes to find you. He knew me. And Jesus said, no, I still, I still want that one. It's an incredible thing. Jesus, in our passage, he finds Philip. Philip brings Nathaniel. Nathaniel's skeptical. He trusts Philip enough to go see Jesus. And when, when Jesus sees Nathaniel coming, he says, no, here's, here's an honest Israelite. Right? Here is a man of Israel in whom there's no deceit. And this surprises Nathaniel. Right? He's like, he's like how'd, how'd you know me, Jesus? Like, how, how, how did you know this about me? Jesus says, I saw you. I saw you over there. Jesus saw him. He loved him. And he knew him. You've probably uh, heard the phrase before, uh, to know me is to love me. Which, if you kind of think about it, that sounds kind of prideful, almost pretentious, right? Well, if, yeah, if you know me, you love me. I, I think really it's the other way around. What we find in life, what's, what's probably more true is to say, to love me is to know me. When you really love somebody, you know them. You know the important things in their life. When you love somebody, you know the important people in their lives. When you really love somebody, you know the things that lift them up and you know the things that are going to break their hearts. When you love somebody, you know their challenges that they're experiencing. You know the dreams and aspirations that they have. You know the places of hurt that exist within them. You know them. Jesus saw Nathaniel and he loved him. And so he knew him. I think there's even more beauty in these words that Jesus speaks to Nathaniel, the, the way that he shows that he knows him. Uh, we hear what Jesus said, but we don't hear all the things that he could have said, right? I mean, he tells, hey, here's a man in Israel in whom there's no deceit. Jesus probably could have said a lot of other things about Nathaniel. Right? Like, I, I'm kind of worried if Jesus saw, when Jesus saw me, like what he's, you know, hey, there's Denville, he's a real piece of work, right? I mean, he could, hey, there's that Floridian who can't seem to, you know, keep himself clean. They, there's that guy who can't seem to avoid messing up a good thing. Jesus could have said those things about me and it would have been true. But when Jesus saw me, he said, it's my son. I love you. He saw Nathaniel and said, hey, this guy's honest. This guy's truthful. When he saw you, I don't know what he said. But he saw something in you. Maybe it's not even who you were at the moment, but he saw something in you. He said, there's my son. There's my daughter. I love you. G- Jesus sees even into the, the hurting, the broken places in our lives, and he knows the things that are going to make us whole. And so he offers that to us. He speaks that into us. This is what's amazing about the kind of love, the kind of knowledge that God has about you, right? God knows the good and the bad. He knows all the ways that you've fallen short. God knows those places that hurt. He knows what you need to hear, to feel seen, and to feel loved. So God speaks that to you. When he finds you, he doesn't focus on what you have been. He focuses on who you are as his child. He focuses on who you can be as he does this transforming work in your life. The scripture says in Psalm 139, 
The Psalms kind of lifted up as a praise. Uh, and so David is offering this praise. He says, it was you, God, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum. I try to count them. They're more than the sand. I come to you. I come to the end and I'm still with you. What this prayer of praise recognizes is God made you. He knows you inside and out, every single bit and piece of you. And he loves you still. And, and when he thinks about you, his thoughts aren't just a little bit. His thoughts aren't just all the ways that you've messed up, all the flaws that exist within you. His thoughts are are praiseworthy thoughts. They are good thoughts, thoughts of love. In the psalm, it says, how vast is the sum of them, right? It's like the grains of sand, which being in Florida, we know a little bit about sand, right? Have you ever gone to the beach and tried to count the sand? I I mean, it's, it's too much of it, right? I mean, it's millions, billions, trillions of little pieces of sand. And the psalmist in his praise is saying, that's how vast God's thoughts of love are towards you. God looks at you. He sees you with that kind of love that he has these kinds of thoughts about you. God made you. God knows you. God loves you. And so he finds you and he begins to tell you all of these wonderful thoughts that he has about you. Thoughts so filled with love that God would send his only son, Jesus, to die for you so you could have life, so you could have a relationship with him. Jesus finds us because he loves us. He tells us who we are becoming, and then he invites us into a grander vision. He invites us to follow him into something better. And in in our passage, Nathaniel is amazed that Jesus looks at him, that he sees him, and that he knows him. And Jesus says, oh, you think that's pretty cool? You ain't seen nothing yet. Very truly, I tell you, you'll see heaven opened up. And the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What does that mean? Right, well, well, everybody with Jesus, they would have kind of gotten the picture that, that Jesus is painting. Uh, there's a story in Genesis chapter 28. You can go back and read it. Homework this week, Genesis 28. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Jacob. Uh, and Jacob is he's kind of in a bad place, right? He hasn't, he hasn't been the best. He has, he's done some not so great things. Uh, but he's out in the wilderness by himself. He falls asleep. He has this dream, this vision uh, of a stairway that is set up on earth that reaches into heaven. And he sees angels ascending and descending on this stairway to heaven. And as he has this dream, The Lord comes and stands next to him, tells him, hey, Jacob, this covenant, this promise that I made to your father, Isaac, the promise that I made to your grandfather, Abraham, I'm going to fulfill it in you. This land that you're on, this is going to be the land that your people will flourish on. And your people are going to be a blessing to the whole world. Just as I promised your grandfather Abraham that all the world would be blessed through him, I'm going to carry this work out through you. Later on, this guy, Jacob, he, his name is changed to Israel. Right? It becomes the children of Israel, the Israelite people. Uh, this name change signifying this work that God is doing in him. 
but it's this place where where heaven and earth meet, where the angels are ascending and descending, that Jacob has this renewal of God's promise, of God's covenant, that all people on earth will be blessed through him. And so as Jesus is just kind of casually throwing out this reference to this story, what what Jesus is saying is, is twofold. One, he's saying that this glimpse of heaven that Jacob saw in his dream is taking place in him. Jesus is saying, as I'm walking and talking in front of you, you're seeing heaven come to earth. Right? Heaven has come to earth in my presence. As you walk with me, as you follow me, you're going to catch a glimpse of heaven. And he's saying that this covenant promise of God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, that, that all the people on earth would be blessed through them is taking place in him. He's saying, you know, that promise that was made long ago that all people on earth would be blessed through this family. I'm the answer to that. I am the covenant promise. As you walk with me, you are a part of the fulfillment of this promise in all the world. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you as you walk with me, as you follow me. Jesus is telling Philip, he's telling Nathaniel, he's telling us as well that this Word made flesh, as we see him, we're seeing the glory of the Father. That as we see Jesus walk and talk, we're experiencing the blessing of God in him. That if we, if we want to know what heaven looks like, if we want to catch a glimpse of heaven, that we look and we see Jesus. That we can follow Jesus in his ministry. If we want to know what heaven looks like, we can just watch what Jesus does. We can watch as he heals the sick, as he comforts the lonely, as he welcomes the outcasts, as he invites the children, as he casts out the demons, as he feeds the hungry, as he sets the captive free, as he brings wholeness to those who've experienced brokenness, as he forgives the sinner. We're seeing heaven come to earth. Jesus finds us. He loves us. He knows us. And he invites us to experience heaven on earth as we walk with him. He invites us to know life everlasting as we follow him. This is all incredible, but there's one more thing that I want us to take with us as we go. Uh, As a part of this passage, as we think about this, this chapter as a whole, as we've seen this story of Jesus unfold. Oh, we still got a few minutes, guys. You don't got to rush just yet. Uh, (laughs) We're, we're not there just yet. As we've seen the story of Jesus unfold through the book of John, uh, we see this constant kind of invitation for people to follow him, for people to know him, for people to experience him. We see uh, not this huge tidal wave of just the masses all flooding towards him, but one by one by one through encounter with Jesus an invitation, an encounter with Jesus, an invitation, an encounter with Jesus, an invitation. We see this ripple effect spread throughout the world. John the Baptist has an encounter with Jesus. And he can't help but tell other people about it. He tells Andrew, Andrew has an encounter with Jesus. He can't help but tell people about it. He goes and gets his brother Simon. Simon uh, has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus says, oh, your name's going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. Jesus calling out in him things that he is not yet. He knows him. He sees him. He tells him who he's going to become. Right? Peter has this encounter with Jesus. Peter goes on to witness countless places throughout the world. Jesus 
meets Andrew. Andrew has an encounter with Jesus. He goes and he finds Nathaniel. I mean, sorry, uh, Jesus finds Philip. <laughs> Philip has an encounter with Jesus. Philip finds Nathaniel. He invites him to know Jesus. Philip, later on, will read in the book of Acts as the, the disciples are scattered. Right after Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, uh, they're scattered because they're facing persecution. Philip goes to Samaria. And he begins to perform some of the same miracles that Jesus performed, healing people, casting out demons, uh, proclaiming the forgiveness of sins in and through Jesus Christ, being a part of healing the brokenness, showing other people a glimpse of heaven. He goes and he finds an Ethiopian eunuch who's questioning, wondering about this God, and he begins to tell him and testify about him. There's not this huge tidal wave, it's just this ripple effect. Right? Like if you're, if you're standing at a body of water, you throw a pebble in. This was this first this little ring, and a bigger ring, and a bigger ring, and a bigger ring. And there's this faith that has been passed down where there's millions upon millions, I think maybe even a billion people, who would say they are followers of Jesus because somebody had an encounter with them. Their life was changed, and they told somebody about it. And that person had an encounter with Jesus and their life was changed and they told somebody about him. Throughout the Gospel of John and, and here in this last, this last passage in this chapter, there's this invitation for us to offer Jesus to others, to show them a glimpse of heaven as we allow Christ to be at work in us, to offer other people this glimpse of what heaven looks like in and through our actions. Uh, the author Bob Goff he kind of talks about it in this way. He says, you know, it's, it's funny how when you encounter and you meet one person, you kind of get an idea of what everybody is like. Right? He says uh, he was going on a trip to Seattle. Uh, his first time being in Seattle, he gets into, he gets into his taxi. His, his driver uh, starts talking to him. The driver's really nice and really friendly and is just this great guy. And he says, you know what? If somebody was to ask me about Seattle, I would tell them Seattle's great. It's filled with nice and kind people. But the opposite could be true as well. If his driver was this, you know, mean, sour-faced grouch uh, who was grumpy all the time, who was rude, he'd say, you know what, Seattle's just full of awful people because he met that one person. And he said the same thing can be true in us as well. When people meet you, what do they get a glimpse of? Do they know that you've had an encounter with Jesus or do they feel as though they just met heaven? So they just caught a glimpse of heaven when they interact with you. People know that you've been with Jesus. Do they know that Jesus has made a difference in your life? Do they see, do they see the healing that he's brought into the midst of brokenness? Do they see the way that he's been at work transforming you? I'll, I'll tell you real quick. I'm running out of time. There was a, a couple uh, who's, they were part of our Experiencing God study. Uh, really, they, they hadn't been going to church at all, and they just felt God was tugging on them to go to church, and they were passing by this place, and they felt like God was inviting them to come here. So they showed up at church. They started going to church. Uh, they decided they wanted to sign up for the Experiencing God study, uh, and um, this guy was telling the story just this past week. He said uh, his wife had a Bible out, and her daughter came over, and, and her daughter decided to take the Bible home because she had seen the difference it had made in her mother. She had seen that her mother had had this encounter, this experience with God, and she was curious about it. She wants to read the Bible because of what God had done in her mom's life. When people see you, do they they get that kind of feel? They say, I want to know what that person has. I want to know what's going on in their lives because I want that in my life as well. This is what Jesus invites us into, 
to know his healing power at work within our lives, to know that love that fills our hearts to overflowing and wants us to be able to pass that on to others. And so this morning, I'm not sure where you're at, what, what you need from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've never really known the love of Jesus that comes to you, that finds you, but you want to meet with him, you want to encounter him. I'm going to invite you to come and spend some time in prayer. Maybe this morning you've, you, you need a refresher of that glimpse of heaven. You know, you've encountered him in the past, but you know, man, my, my love has grown, grown kind of stale. I'm not sure where I'm at in my walk with Christ, but I need to meet with him again. I need to be refreshed so that I can offer that same kind of love to others. Come and meet with him. Maybe this morning you, you're like, you know what? I, I've been feeling kind of sour lately. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just can't shake it. But I need Jesus to just shake this off of me so that people aren't seeing, you know, this mean and grumpy. They're seeing Christ at work in me. And, and yeah, I've got some struggles. Yeah, I've got some difficulties. But Christ is my peace. He's my hope. He's my joy. You need to meet with him this morning. I'm going to invite you to come forward. And I'm going to be down front. If you, if you want somebody to pray with, I will, I'll be happy to. I'll love to be able to pray with you. You can pray on your own. You can pray with me. Uh, but I'm going to invite the band. They'll come and play. I'm going to pray for us all together and then and then we'll have our time of prayer together. So let us, let us go to the Lord. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you come and find us and you invite us to draw near. We thank you that you know us, the, the good, the bad, the, the in-between, and that you still love us anyways, that you see not just who we are, but who we can become in you, in and through your grace, in and through your mercy. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do that work in us and among us today. Refresh us by the power of your presence. Fill us to overflowing, Lord, with your love, with your joy, with your peace, and with your hope. We pray, Lord, when others see us, when we meet with others, when we encounter others, that they might catch a glimpse of you. We might see uh, your healing work done in our lives and all throughout this community. We might see uh, those ripples spread and grow as lives are changed and transformed. For your honor and for your glory, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.